Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. A time to love and a time to hate. Targum explains a fascinating subtlety. Eden Bakir Lirachama is a time, a choice time for love. Chad Lechavre, one to his friend. The expression of love is coming from the individual to his friend. And this is in contrast with the Aislis, no time to hate. The Eden Bakir Lemisne Legevar Chayova and a time that is choice, appropriate, to hate the, the man or the ligvar, the, the one chayava that is guilty. And there's a, a lack of uh, congruity. It's not symmetrical. You don't have chad, the individual, by the hatred. The hatred on, on the, the time that is appropriate to hate the one who is guilty, he doesn't say for the individual to hate one who is guilty. Only by the time for love does he say to love the one to his friend. Uh, a very interesting differentiation. What, what is pushing uncle say? I don't know. But we do see that he's, he's clearly learning that they're not direct, exact reciprocals. But in order to have the love, it, it's coming from the individual. Chad l'chavre. Whereas in hatred, you can have a group hatred. That's what the implication is. So, uh, let's take, for example, uh, the... Where do we have it? Um, a time to hate. Um, I mean, Amalek is the, the most uh, obvious Ava that we have. But the hatred towards what I guess you might say is an outgroup does not necessarily come from the individual. It's not a personalized hate. It's a generalized hate. That the, the group, we as a group hate them or even the individual that exhibits the outgroup features, whatever they might be, but the hatred does not come from the individual necessarily. It doesn't, the hatred is generic. It could be chad, but it could be generic. It could be from a group. But by the love, it needs to come from the individual. The love that, that uh, is expressed, if you look at the Pasuk, Pasuk gives a command. And you, singular, doesn't say It The expression of that love is coming from you, singular. You, singular. You, one person, love your friend. Of course, that friend uh, doesn't, doesn't mean you know, your, uh, your bridge partner, but it means that those that are um, bound in the service of Hashem. But the, the focus over here is the Ahavta. And you, the individual, the love comes from you personally, not from um, the group, that, that we love you. It has to be I love you. That's the, the mitzvah. So, yeah, what is the, the Hagdara of the mitzvah of Ava? And the, the, I should say that the time for loving and the time for hating, and certainly they both have mitzvahs, that they're both commands at various times. Take a look in the Chinuch. Actually, it's in this week's parashas. They have both mitzvahs. Both mitzvahs are here. 
Mitzvah's Avos Yisrael. It's Mitzvah Rish Mem Gimel 243. Pashas Kedoshim. A bit earlier, you have a parallel prohibition. Uh, a prohibition of Sinna. Reish Lamed Ches. So that's the prohibition. Shelo Lisno Achim, to not hate brothers. Also in Kedoshim, quite near each other. So, so let's, um, let's see when they apply. Both of these are, are telling us about love, essentially, which we should investigate, of course, when is the right time. But we, we still need to figure out the time for hatred, the, to, to hate. Where is that actually um, an appropriate manifestation of what we should do? So let's start with Mitzvah's Avas Yisrael. The chinuch on this mitzvah brings us to, to seeing where it doesn't apply. Or at least not in a full sense. The mitzvah is to love kol echod mi Yisrael, love kol echod mi Yisrael, avas nefesh, the love of the soul. Uh, he quotes the dictum of Rabbi Kiva, which means to say, according to the Chinuch, that many mitzvahs in the Torah are dependent upon it. Rashi seems to say more than that. Um, Rashi seems to say that it's all mitzvahs, potentially. The, the Rosh, of commentary, and Mishnayis, in the beginning of Peah, says that it's more chaviv to HaKadosh Baruch is more dear to HaKadosh Baruch the fulfillment of the mitzvahs of Ben Adam Lechavero, which revolve around is the, the fundamental root. The, uh, the way to stay out of trouble, so to speak, of all mitzvahs of Ben Adam Lechavero is to have the, the shurish of Ahavto Reach Kamocha. Rav Shurkin said that his, his mother never learned Sefer Chavetz Chaim once in her life. And yet she never ever said Lashon Hara. Why? Because she was so deeply imbued and, and she lived that she could never bring herself to say Lashon Hara. It wasn't an option. It wasn't something she had to learn the technicalities of is this Mozart? Is this Aser? It, not that there aren't technicalities. There are. But the, the, the context of fulfilling loving your fellow as yourself will obviate the need to, to wade through that um, in terms of the, the greatest protection from violating uh, our fellow is, is instilling within ourselves the love of, of our fellow. So that's, that's on the, the mitzvah side. Uh, where does it not apply? Where is it not the time for love? The 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 mitzvah the minchas chinuch says, "Davka imu ish kashif." The parameters are somebody that is a person of integrity. Al mitzvah lisanoso. However, if one has seen that he has transgressed a sin, there is a command to hate him. Wow. So now we certainly see a time for hatred, time to hate. He says so far that it's actually a command to hate in that context. Kimavur le'el, as is described earlier in Mitzvah Reish Lamarches, he goes through the parameters of the prohibition of hating the brothers. But it's not just a hatter, he's saying it's a mitzvah. And that, that is not his own vart. He's actually not coming, it's not, it's not his own vart, that is a, basically a gemara. It's a gemara in Sochim. Take a look at that. V'chein kosu bagos maimonius. And similarly, Hagos Maimonius writes about this. Take a look. 
he says in, in Hilchas Deus, what does Agos Memonius say? It's Perg Vav. Working on the Rambam about the mitzvah of he says it's specifically somebody that is not wicked. If he's wicked and not willing to receive rebuke and accept rebuke, mitzvah lisanosa. There's the mitzvah to hate him, a command. As it says in Mishlei, Proverbs chapter 8, Yes Hashem Sinas Ra. And it says also in Tehillim Kuflam and Tess, Halo, Misanecha Hashem Esna. That David Melech, King David says, For those that hate you, I shall hate. And it's quoted in Avri Psachim, Kuf Yud Gimel. So it's. it's all in the Gemara. Let's take a look at the Gemara. So, there are three that God hates. Uh, one who speaks uh, duplicitously. He says one thing, but he's thinking another. Someone who knows testimony for his friend, but is not willing to testify. And one who does see a source of guilt. person is, is guilty, but testifies as an individual. That also God hates. Wow. Well, what if else? So he better not testify. Yeah. It's a similar story uh, that, that happened. Tovya uh, did a sin, and Zaygod came by himself to testify before of Papa. Nagila Zaygod, and Rav Papa uh, struck Zaygod. And Zaygod is the guy who's testifying. Tovya sinned. Is this fair? Tovya sin. Why are you striking Zaygad? That's, that's wrong. He's the one who sinned. Didn't you hear what I said? Amarle in. No, that's, that's correct. In this case, you get hit, not him. Dersiv. Where is Rav Papa coming from? Lo yokum eid echot ve'ish v'chol avon v'chol hatos. Pasek in Devarim says, an individual cannot come to testify and you testified by yourself. All you've achieved is tarnishing his reputation. So you're illegally testifying because you don't have two witnesses. You're not coming with somebody else to come testify. So therefore you're not allowed to testify. So you get hit. You're just making uh, tarnishing his reputation without the mitzvah of testifying. It's an iser to testify you. So it's not, it doesn't achieve the, the authority of the court to actually uh, punish him for, for whatever he did. So, Amar Rabbi Shmuel, Bar of Yitzchak, Amar Rav, also. He says, it's permitted to hate him. Shenemar, meaning, even though Zygod saw what Tuvia did, and he's not allowed to testify, but he's allowed to hate him. As it says in Shmos, Kisira Chamor Sonecha Robit Masof. You see the donkey of your enemy crouching under his burden. Which enemy? My son, Ile Nochri. If it's talking about a, a, a stranger, the, a, a foreigner, Vahatanya. We have a Bryce that says, Sonisha Amru, Sonisra, Velo Nochri. The parameters of the command to help him. Bryce, it says, are talking about a Jewish uh, donkey owner, that, that his donkey is struggling under its burden. So we're talking about a Jewish person. Are you allowed to hate him? 
right? That's the, the mitzvah that we have also here. It's prohibited to hate your brother in your heart. It's talking about a case where he has testimony that he saw, he witnessed that he sinned. So the Gemara says, hey, if he, if he has testimony, then Why is it called your um, your enemy? Um, it, it should be uh, it says so, so your enemy say sonichem in a plural your generalized enemy why is it your personal enemy if everybody has testimony then that wouldn't be the case this case he individually saw the violation and he is is meant we saw permission so far. Uh, didn't say yet obligation, but he can hate him. And he's not allowed to testify. Rav Nachman He says even further. Not only is it, like Rav said, permission to hate him, but an obligation to hate him. Based on this verse, in Mishle, Senos Rav, And there's, yeah, wow, he's saying it's an obligation, not just a rishos. It's, it's uh, required. So the Gemara says this, and that's how uh, we have two versions, either permitted or obligatory. And it certainly is not a violation of is what the Gemara is saying when there's an obligation to hate. Um, even though it is Bilbo Vecha, presumably, it is in his heart because he's in the middle of helping the guy out. He's not expressing the hatred. So that's certainly uh, an exception to the rule. Right? If you look in the mitzvah of not hating your brother, it's specifically in the heart. If somebody... If somebody hates explicitly, so take a look at the Chenoch, he says, They have a long-standing feud, they hate each other's guts, and they spit every time they see each other. They're not okay, but they're not in violation of this prohibition. He is in violation of bearing a grudge and taking vengeance. He's also in violation of a haftalerech He's certainly not loving his, his friend like himself, that's for sure. But this prohibition of sinas halev, says the chinuch, he kasha mikol hasinagluya. That's more difficult, worse in a certain sense, than all the explicit acts of hatred. Galeha, the Torah's mazer, specifically on that case, on the hidden hatred that that creates this uh, false footing where you don't know, you know, he, he hates him, but he's acting like a friend to him. That's what the Torah gives a, a specific prohibition against. And yes, if he if he uh, expresses his hatred that he has in his heart, then he doesn't violate this. He has other problems, but not this problem. But this is not true if there's a mitzvah to hate him. Right? He's busy saying, can I help you with your donkey? It's, it's, it's uh, under the burden. And the mitzvah to do so, he's not expressing the hatred that he's mitzvah to have. It's a fascinating thing. It's an exemption from that iser. So, I, I don't know if the chinuch is correct. He takes it a step further. And I don't know if this is true or not. Meaning, the fact that there's a mitzvah to hate him does not preclude the mitzvah of kol echad misro. The, the Milchos Chinuch claims that the mitzvah is expired. There is no mitzvah. This mitzvah only applies, only if he's ish kosher. Now, the, the fact that there can be an obligation to hate him doesn't necessarily mean there's not an obligation to love him also. 
doesn't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. Even this obligation that he has to help his enemy's donkey that's struggling is geared towards tempering this hatred that he either has a rishus to have, is permitted to have, or seems to be brought down the as obligated to have, but it's tempered. We don't say, like, uh, more hatred the better. No, clearly it's meant to be a very confined, limited hatred. So much so that you, you're, you have a special obligation to go out of your way to help the guy to, to dampen that enmity. So, it, that being the case, uh, it certainly, I would think, is plausible that there can be two concurrent obligations. Along with this chiyuv of a, a mitigated hatred of sinah. And the... the okay, it's, it's a challenge to say, how could you, you know, have a, a love-hate relationship at the same time, right? That is a challenge. I'm, I'm not saying that it's uh, an easy thing to try and do. But uh, uh, I'll tell you what the uh, Baal Shem Tov said that I think would, would be along the lines of, of what I'm claiming, not like the Chinuch, that it's not binary, either a mitzvah to love him or a mitzvah to hate him. The Baal Shem Tov said that he wishes that he could love the biggest tzaddik anywhere near the level that Karash Baruch Hu, how much God loves the most wicked person. So, you know, he, he can appreciate somebody's righteous and feel a sense of love towards that person, but he wishes he could even approach God's love for the wicked. So, obviously, there's... there's uh, it seems from, from that that there's an ability... To, uh, to have this uh, multiple emotional relationship that is not uh, a conflict that is insurmountable. He can feel a sense of love, and still, we're dealing with a, a sense of hatred, mitigated though it may be, uh, in spite of the fact that the Torah is, is looking out for these people. The, the, the Ramam says... Even these sinners that, like we, they, this case, he sees that he committed some dvar erva, some arayat, something that he shouldn't have done, some relationship shouldn't have engaged in, yet he's obligated to help him with his, uh, the load on his donkey. The Ramam explains it in the end of Shmiras Hanefet, in Rotseach and Shmiras Hanefet, that the, 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 uh, the root of this the root of the obligation, the Ramam says, is because God cares about them. That's the, the real bottom line. Even though they're sinners, even though they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, he says they're still attached to the Jewish nation, even tangentially, they are uh, still enough within the group as the sinners of the Jewish people that God cares about their lives, and therefore you better help him. Don't let him even come close to danger and if, if his donkey is struggling, it may lead to danger, even though it's so far-fetched, but still, it might lead to danger, and therefore you better help him out. That's, that's the... Take a look at the Lechem Mishnah over there. That's the, the obligation to help the enemy is because God cares about these enemies. They, they're still in. They're still, they're still to be protected. God wants them to do tshuva. And the Baal says that a sinner deserves our, our sympathy to the extent that they are exiling through their choices of sin, they're exiling from themselves the higher soul. So there's a, a, a sympathy for the soul that is in exile, they're not living up to where they should be, but the, the level of hatred is, I would say, how can we tamper hatred? Well, we have to understand that hatred as a very wide range of emotion, doesn't only mean uh, the, the deep hatred in a, in a proactive sense. It can also mean a, a sense of um, disinterest. 
not, uh, not caring for them in the same way. So that also is an aspect of hatred, hatred light. So that the sinas chinam is not necessarily only about a vicious hatred towards the other, but just not caring. It doesn't make a difference to you one way or the other. That is a, a low-level, low-grade hatred. And that type of hatred, I would say, is, is perhaps included in the command, even though you do have to care about him. You have to help him you have to make sure this sinner doesn't die to prevent even a far-fetched a scenario from occurring where he might die. That's why it's there in those halachas, preserving life. So the hatred is super minimalized. It's uh, uh, a small degree of indifference, I would say. And where is that indifference reflected? We find Chazal tell us, It's prohibited to have Rachmanus mercy over for one that has no knowledge and no understanding. If they don't have Das, if they're acting in a manner that is... Uh, not caring. Uh, they, don't, they don't care one way or another. So for you to, to exert yourself mercifully towards them, that's a, 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 a surprisingly, it's, it's a hard Gemara, but it's to some degree an, a futile exercise that's prohibited. You should not waste your, your emotional energy to be merachim on them. There needs to be a certain distance. If they don't care about themselves, so you have to to hold back and, and temper your own care for that person. So, so I say here is where you can find a coexistence with the obligation to hate in a limited sense with it doesn't necessarily have to be binary. Like the, uh, unlike what the Chinuch is saying, I'm sorry, the Minchas Chinuch um, that's saying there is no mitzvah uh, if he's not an Ish Kasher uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Akalpanim, there is the, the time for the expression of of love. Um, interestingly enough, going back to Targum, he doesn't contrast with one who is meritorious. He doesn't say love the one who's meritorious, or one should love a, a friend who is meritorious. He just says one should love his friend. There's a time for one to love his friend in a generic sense, whereas in the time for hatred, he says the time where it's appropriate is predicated on guilt. It has to be that he is guilty. The, the appropriate uh, time, an outlet for hatred or indifference on, on a light aspect of hatred is for somebody that is guilty. Uh, as the verse says, that if they, if they are the enemies of God... So to that extent, a person needs to align themselves on that level um, to some degree, even if it needs to be mitigated. It's uh, part, of, part of the correct time of sinna. The Mitsudas David, getting into pshat of, of this, uh, goes as he has been throughout this whole series of, of 28 uh, pairs, and he says, Ace, I have a time to love, something, something from, from any of the objects, or whatever the dvarim are, things, and the time to hate, the Ace Lisno, that same thing. So this has been his shita all the way through, that he's learning that it's, it's a switch, it's a change not of, um, of the expression uh, or the action, but it's a change of the relationship even to an object based on time, the, the, the appropriate time. And, and he explains earlier, um, back to Pasuk Aleph, he explains, L'cholzman, Rotsalomar, Ein shum bab mikra, He's saying that the, the time changes the appropriate response as a result of the previous 
uh, it, it, circumstance. So the change actually can be brought on by the, the, the previous, previous uh, time. So, you know, like, uh, I guess you, you could say in an economic sense, you can relate to it very easily, right? Uh, let's say oil prices are big in the news right now. So the, the cure for low oil prices are low oil prices, right? That the, the way to, to uh, adjust to a glut and, and over oversupply, which is a, just a, you know, on a relative basis, that would be something that's hated. It's a hated commodity today is the, the, the fact that you'll have low prices will make it, uh, will, will bring about so the seeds for the cure. It will actually affect the change because you're going to have bankruptcies, you're going to have people reducing production, and then that will bring about the opposite trend towards an increase in value. That's the, the nature of something. Uh, if somebody's feeling hungry, so the cure for that hunger is to eat, but the eating itself brings about the opposite of hunger at a certain point, they don't want to look at another morsel. They'll puke if they look at food again. So there's the, the preceding context brings about the shift in this pendulum uh, through the time. That, that's the way the Mitsudas David is explaining all of these pairs. So, so he's saying this, the same thing over here. Uh, the time for love, the time for hate. That, that uh, there's a saying that uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right? And to some degree, he's saying that that absence, which would be, an, I guess you could say to some degree, a low level um, lack of love or sinna can bring about this, this differentiation, the, the, the separation can bring about a strengthening of the love. And uh, famili- familiarity breeds contempt is the corollary of that. Right? To the, the ava in, in can uh, lead to a, a need or a, a, a direction, a trend towards sinna. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's the, the idea of the Mitsudas David now, all the way through here is this swinging of a t- pendulum even within the same thing where one causes the other and, and it goes back and forth. Rashi. Rashi says, Ace Lehov, Vahevchot. It's referring again to Rashi has been doing with the relationship to God, between God and the Jewish people. And God shall love you, but Eslisno, and a time for hatred, Shinamar, Kol Rasam Bagilgal Kisham Sinesim. That in, in result of all of their, their wickedness uh, has brought about God's hatred for the Jewish people. A, a sense of, uh, of distance, um, the opposite of this close love between God and the Jewish people, um, the, the, based on what we do, uh, so the appropriate uh, expression, so to speak, that is the ultimate good, whatever God does is good, the goodness that he does is, is a good reflected in how it responds to the, the circumstance of what we are doing if we are worthy of his love or worthy of his contempt or, or hatred, as it were. And that's um, also the same, same type of idea um, in the Talum HaSachachma, same, same idea that says, just different verses, Malachi, Ahavti Yeschem, I have loved you, the Ace Lisno, Alkein Tznesia, and therefore I have hated her, referring also uh, the relationship between God and the Jewish people. That's uh, yeah. The the Ibn Ezra is similar to Mitsudas David. Es Lehov, Gamma Avo, Gamma Sinna, Tzluib Aces Man. Now also love and and hatred are dependent on the times. 
that, that there, there are appropriate times for each, uh, and they are the, the, correct, the correct response, the correct uh, emotion at various times. Yeah, the uh, Balturim. Actually, I should probably see the Balturim after this. Let's let's continue then in the rest of the of the verse. Ace milchama ve'ace shalom. A time for war and a time for peace. And that really is the final conclusion of this whole uh, series of 28 pairs. So, time for war and a time for peace. We need to understand how this is in contrast with what we said in the very, or not the very beginning, but the second um, Pasuk in this series. Ace um, Laro, the Pasuk Gimel. Ace Larog, time to kill. A time to kill and time for war are two distinct uh, times. They're not parallel. It's not, it's not one idea. So we have to understand further what this, what this means. What, what is the, uh, why are they differentiated? The, the time for peace as opposed to the time for war uh, meaning, even within warfare, it's not always time to kill. Large facets of warfare are not about killing. In fact, ideally, the goal of warfare is not to kill, but to conquer, not to destroy, but to build. The, the, uh, especially working with, with the Mitsudos, then understands, and he doesn't say anything on this verse. Um, I'm sorry, I take that back. He says over here, the Matsudas uh, over here, Melchama, Be'ez Achas, Chofes Adam, Vechoshko, La'aroch, Melchama, Imsono, Be'ez Acheres, Yitze, Bechilufo, Lios, Imab Shalom. That there's this uh, flow and ebb of tension, political tension, that can lead to either state of peace or state of war, that the, the, uh, the one can lead to the other, uh, at least in a, in a cyclical sense, that uh, if there's war, so it's a, a struggle that will lead to some resolution. One way or another, when the war is over, you're going to have some form of peace, but the, the peace can lead to new struggles in its wake. Now that, there, now that there's uh, a relative uh, status quo in the, in the result of the war, you can have the peace uh, lead to you know, trade tensions, for example. You could have, you know, hey, they're not at war, and they're engaging in trade, and now there's more tension building as a result of the peace that, that uh, can ultimately be resolved in war, uh, a reassertion of a, a new status quo, of how the, these relative powers will relate to each other. So you, you can have that um, go back and forth. I, I think that it's most embodied, if you want to get to the... Uh, an individual that really reflects this more than anybody, to my knowledge, would be Asaf. Asaf. He really reflects this, this dynamic. Uh, Asaf is like matri of shalom, peace. Now, Asaf has the blessing to live by his sword. He is he is the man of of war. But the strength that he builds through that capacity ushers in peace. That's why the Talmud says that Rome, which is perceived as the descendant of Esau, 
is a builder. Rome is a builder. That the war is, is not destructive war, but a war that, that builds. That's, that really isn't a name, that the ace of. He has this tremendous capacity to usher in peace. Uh, you can see it, you know, in, in various emblems that are reflected in, in governments even till this day. Uh, to carry a big stick or walk lightly, carry a big stick, that this type of idea of uh, living by the sword but trying to promote peace is, yes, is, is actually the uh, fulfillment of the blessing. Now, Asaph has given tremendous blessings. You see, he's given tremendous blessings. Those blessings need peace to be realized. There's no, nothing... No blessings can be realized without peace. So his war is geared towards peace and towards building. That's, um, yeah, the, the, the time for war and the time for peace uh, are uh, geared, like many of these things, uh, to, to be skewed, not like a 50-50 balance, towards one over the other, but still... Uh, there's, they're, they're cyclical and uh, there's an appropriate time for both. The Targum over here says, Idan Bakhir, I'm sorry, the next part. Idan Bakhir, Lagacha Kirava, a time that is choice, is appropriate for the waging of war. Idan Bakhir, Lemebad Shalom. And a, a time that is choice for forging of peace. Right again, he's he's focusing here on uh, on the the act of. It's not just that uh, there is a time when war is happening, and there's a time when peace is the environment. He's saying the pursuit of. It's an appropriate time to pursue a course of war versus a time to pursue a course of peace. And depending on the context, uh, if, is appeasement appropriate? Right before uh, you know, the World War II, you had a certain error, I think historically, it's pretty clear, uh, on the part of certain powers that pursued peace of appeasement that was actually very destructive. So that, that was not a time to pursue peace. It was a time to pursue war. Uh, in hindsight, of course, everybody has more wisdom. But a time to pursue peace is when peace can be achieved. And, and if the war needs to be uh, the tool to achieve the peace, then so be it. Then the war should be pursued. But even in going to war, as the Raman Paskins and Hilchus Malachim and Milchama, the opening overture has to be an overture of peace because the, the function and, and validity of war is towards peace. Right? The, the entire, all the pathways lead to peace from the Torah. So even when warfare is what seems to be the course of action that's appropriate, if peace will be accepted, truly accepted, a true peace uh, predicated on, let's say, uh, warring against even uh, those that the Torah commands, Milchemes Mitzvah. Nonetheless, the Ramam says, there's an obligation to wage war only in as much as they're not willing to accept the peace that you are offering, which is accepting the seven mitzvahs of Nenoch. If they'll accept the seven mitzvahs of Nenoch, then there's no need for war. If they accept your sovereignty in this land, there's no need for war. So that needs to be the first, first overture because that is the goal, the legitimate goal of any war is to affect a peace. Just have to know what, which, which tactic to be pursuing uh, towards that broader goal. A tactic of, of war, a tactic of peace. But the goal is, is always shalom. Whereas ace larog is, is sometimes the the time to kill within war, which is more destructive. It's not only in war, but also in war. It's not, it's not the full picture of war. 
the killing is, is a very drastic, drastic move that uh, needs to be reserved even with Muhammad Amalek, even with the, the war against Amalek, if they abandon the creed of Amalek and accept the Zion mitzvahs, then there's no need to continue fighting. It's the, the creed needs to be stamped out of, of those that uh, view their, the goal of their life towards the destruction of the Jewish people, towards severing any sense of covenant between God and man, that is what needs to be stamped out. But it's not a genetic thing, and it's not, uh, it, it's not uh, dependent on uh, whether there's... Uh, whether the, you can have an Amaleki descendant, descendant from Amalek, it's all the way up, but he accepts the seven laws of Noah, he is not subject to the command to kill, and you can have somebody that converts to Amalek. It's, again, not genetic. Rav Moshe Soloveitchik said, if he takes that upon himself as his goal, he becomes a Ger Amaleki, in the sense that he is converted to the creed of Amalek and subject to the obligation to wipe them out, because you need to wipe out this creed that, that denies bris between God and man. And specifically with Klal Yisrael, which is the, the greatest expression of that bris. That, that can be achieved. So that, that is really the, uh, the time to kill only when war fails. Right? Meaning when, if, if there's no further resolution. The Melchema Samalek, if need be, should lead to, to destruction if there's no other option, if they're not willing to accept the overture of peace. And Rashi... Uh, Rashi actually doesn't speak about the end of the Pasuk. Um, yeah, the Medrash, the Medrash is a little bit cryptic. I have to know what the Medrash is adding. Not sure. The Medrash says, Ace le'ehov, a time to love, bishas shalom, at a time of peace. The ace lisno, bishas melchama, in a time to hate. At a time of war. And then, ace melchama, a time of war. When would you guess that would be? Bishas melchama. Literally at the, at the hour of war. <laughs> when is the time of war? The time of war. And the ace shalom, Bishalom. Very cryptic. What is, what is the Medrash adding? Um, I mean, I understand, you know, the time to love is in the context of peace, a time to hate, in a context of, of warfare, that the time of war, uh, certainly Meshuch Melchama, the, uh, one of the leaders of the Kohanim who was anointed in this capacity as a chaplain to... Uh, to give them strength is part of his job is also to facilitate a successful war and part of that is recognizing that this is an enemy that needs to be vanquished for whatever the reasons may be. It needs to be predicated on a just war that, that uh, he's, his duty is to explain that and, and to, to in, in, inform the troops about the justness of this war why this hatred is justified. Um, but that's, that's uh, harder to understand the next part, that the time of war, Ace Mechama is Bishas Mechama, at the, at the hour of war, whereas Ace Shalom is Bishalom in peace. What is he adding? What is the Medrash adding? So I, I don't really know. I don't, I don't have... Uh, a great insight into what the Hosafa, Medrash doesn't have to say anything. Plenty of times it just keeps moving, but it sounds like the, the Medrash is perhaps uh, trying to um, really focus on Shalom. That the, the contrast between Esmael Chama and Shalom uh, is that the time of peace 
is bishalom is in peace it doesn't say bishas shalom that that's what i would say is the is the big news it's not what it does say it's what it doesn't say unlike es mohama the time of war is at the time of war the time of peace is in peace not at the time of peace right and and this is uh perhaps perhaps what the medrash is trying to hint at is the overriding goal of preserving shalom and even though you you can't have uh a pendulum where tensions rise and fall and are, are eased sometimes through an outbreak of war and sometimes it's justified and it's appropriate there's a time for it but still the the ace shalom which means at a time of a time for peace the medrash is saying bishalom is, is in peace not at the time of peace it's it's meant to be uh, more broadly viewed as the as the goal as opposed to being strictly a time for like war the time for peace is bishalom that that there should be shalom not just at a time of peace but the 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 focus of the this uh dynamic between war and peace is to be in peace so the time for peace is in peace that is meant to be preserved as long as possible now, obviously the the messianic era is the future time of ultimate peace and that's that is reflective of the time when we can receive the greatest level of blessings possible that's that is a, an integral part of the messianic era so the time of peace in peace is is ultimately meant to transcend this pendulum of war and peace uh but to be an ultimate peace bashalom and shalom is unique in that it's one of the kinuyim of the name of god it is the name of god and that's eternal and that transcends time so in as much as it transcends time perhaps that is why it it conspicuously omits in the medrash saying bishas shalom at the time of peace but rather just bishalom in peace that the the ultimate peace is in god that's the ultimate peace and that would transcend the time that's correct absolutely